Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parentingpodcast. You might be struggling with your teenager and it might feel like these days are never going to end, but I can tell you from experience, the teen years go by really quickly. And while we look forward to our kids growing up and becoming more mature, um, we're never going to have as many opportunities to spend time with them like we do right now when they're in the home. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta. He heads up our parenting and youth department here at Focus on the Family. And uh, Focus President uh, Jim Daly and I spoke recently with Dr. Ken Wilgus, an author and licensed psychologist, and he gave us some really practical advice about guiding your teen and also giving them some space along the way. Uh, here he is, Dr. Wilgus, as he interacts with our audience. Um, well, thank you for what you said. Um, my name's Rebecca, and I'm from Colorado Springs. So the question I had is, I know as young people start to get older, one of the things their parents hope probably that they'll do is get married. So um, what are some ways that parents can help their kids navigate relationships while still also giving them some freedom to figure things out for themselves? That's a real, I like the way you put that uh -huh. because um, it's a funny side note, but for 30 years, I very commonly would ask an adolescent, um, do you think you'll get married? And if you do, what age do you think you'll be when you get married? And I won't ask you guys that, but I can tell you that it used to be most of them wanted to get married, but I'm going to wait until I'm 22 or 23. <laughs> and now, as you know, it's um, 30 is almost the average. I don't know what are y'all going to do all that time. My whole life got started when I got married. I was born. I did some stuff. Then I got married. It's the best thing ever. But I do think that you need to, Christian parents particularly, you need to encourage young people about marriage, which means focusing on your own marriage, uh, because you can tell your parents' marriage, and if it doesn't look like any fun, it makes it not a very good advertisement for it. But number two is to really talk about what are your goals in relationship. And then number three is really picking the point where when will your parents say, that's up to you about dating. Uh, we may not even like the person you date, but that's your call. Again, to increase the input that you can have with your teenager. So parents need to pick a point, and really below 16, there's no need for that. And I don't know what age y'all were, but it needs to be at least 16 or older. But there needs to be a point where the parents say, this is now your call, and you can date, and we hope to be able to talk to you about that. But making sure that you, again, reinforce that freedom, but be real clear that in this house, we really hope that you will be, instead of sort of just relationship exploring, you'll be searching for the spouse that God has for you, mm. which is a message not talked about enough. Ken, Ken let, me, let me add this question. I'm the father of two sons, so I'm going to speak on behalf of a father with girls out there that's uh, you know saying, when I have that feeling that this is the wrong guy. That's a great question. When, where do I, am I overstepping to say to my daughter, this guy's trouble? Well, it starts with there is no antidote more for that bad boyfriend more than a good relationship with your father. Wow, that's So powerful. fathers must start to kind of date their daughter at 12 and 13 and 14, which means spending time just you and her, treating her with respect like you would hope that a young man would, and have that kind of freedom to talk together. I can remember my youngest and I had a standing date. It was Sunday mornings. We dropped their mother off to... Uh, choir practice and we had a time for breakfast and I can remember that was a constant time we spent it was a good time to really talk together including I remember one time that her mother told me that she was mad at me about something and um, the first thing I told her when we sat down at breakfast was your mom says you're upset about I forget what it was 
why didn't you tell me? I want you to be able to tell me if mm. I've upset you so that you kind of establish that kind of closeness. But yeah, I think if you have that kind of relationship, you can speak into that same daughter. Sweetie, can I talk to you about this guy, about Spike or whoever it is you're yeah, dating? Spike. I love that nickname. All the Spikes out there, nothing wrong you know, with you. Along these lines, earlier you had mentioned, Ken, about the influence that we have as parents. I had a daughter who was dating in high school. And we gave her a lot of space, first, because she didn't tell us she was dating. But second, that space. once we became aware, we gave her space. And she asked me, so what do you think? And I, I was fairly honest. I didn't think he was a very smart pick for a couple of reasons. I didn't object to him, and I, and I just backed off. And a couple of months later, she said, I was listening. You didn't know it, but I was listening That's to you. That's a great then. example. And she broke it off. At citing those very reasons that I had suggested. It wasn't because I made her, but you have influence, Dad, especially That's good. Dad. That's really good. It does raise this question about um, lecturing and speeches, and I want to punch that before we're done, uh, why those are fruitless, or at least mostly fruitless. Uh, yeah. The lecturing and the speeches, and they're usually a dead-end street. It's kind of lazy parenting. It's a way of checking off where I feel like I've done my job, whether it's helpful to my teenager or not, I haven't really paid attention to that. Wow. It's not helpful because after about 12, teenagers know virtually all of what their parents' major beliefs are. Um, and so they don't really – whatever you're lecturing at is not news. Um, and so it's just a way usually of satisfying your own fear. It was for me anyway. I yeah. like – I can remember my kids had a stony expression that said, you and I both know that I'm not listening to this, but I'm not going to react in a way you can get mad at me. And it just didn't do any good. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken, right at the end here, the biggest question most parents have and the biggest disappointment, probably quietly in their own parenting journey, is when their 18-, 19-year-old goes off to college or vocational training or whatever they're going to do, and they step away from the faith. Yes. And the desperation that creates in the heart of mom and dad. Speak to that, and uh, there's no guarantees. I mean, there the really idea isn't. is you, you show it and live it well enough that hopefully— your kids will own it for themselves. But how do you go about that desperate moment when Johnny uh, doesn't want to be part of the faith when they're 20? You know, there's a great quote by an ancient rabbi that said, up until 13, I talked to my son about God. And after 13, I talked to God about my son. And it's a critical distinction between really our own understanding. Is Christianity an ideology or is it a true faith? And if it's a true faith, then we really have to beg the Spirit of Christ to call our children. We know that. And yet we have this other thing that's like, yes, but if I train them upright, isn't it always going to turn out to be that mm-hmm. they'll be part of the faith? That's not always true. Yeah. So I think it's a test of your own faith. And lastly, by the time they leave, that's really where you need to uh, – you'll – reap the benefits or not of whether you can communicate with this young adult because there's nothing wrong a, a young adult doesn't want to be taught about the faith but there's nothing wrong about you talking about your faith so that sounds like honey i know you don't want to hear this stuff and it may make you annoyed but can i just tell you i was praying this morning and then you just talk about what happened with you and you finish that with but i know that's silly to you but i just wanted to tell you that that's impactful that's not nothing. It's way better than um, constantly firing verses that you end up getting your text deleted uh, (laughs) because I just don't want to hear this. Ouch. You know, Ken's message is so uh, convicting at one level. When my kids were teens, I had to fight the urge to lecture them. Sometimes I gave in. It just felt so good. They would roll their eyes, but it felt so good. 
Uh, it really is, on a positive note, though, uh, helpful to spend one-on-one time with those teenagers whenever you can. Uh, because, as I said earlier, the time does go by pretty quickly. Danny, you've got some teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you recommend for teens or even preteens? How do we spend time meaningfully with them and really develop the connection before they leave? Well, it's a great point. The bids for connection, which uh, Gottman coined that term, right? The bids for connection come our way early in in a child's life, and then it begins to shift where we have to create those bits for connection with our kids. As they get busy, we may say, oh, well, it, it frees up time to do this or that as a parent, but you have to intentionally put on the calendar or in your mind the need to uh, get together. And sometimes my, I'll give an example, my daughter loves to go for runs. She likes to run and she'll come to me and say, dad, can we go out and run? And, and you I love know running too, so you just... Well, it's torture, really, John. <laughs> it, it hurts a lot, and I can't breathe, which I don't think that's normal. But uh, that, that I, I sometimes will tell her, hey, do you want to go for a run? Because I know so that's something... So you initiate. I initiate, oh, because I know she loves that, and she doesn't have to always ask, and she feels heard and listened to. My son, he loves to play basketball. He also loves drumming. And there are other loves that he's got, and I'll ask him, hey, do you want to do this? And it's something that I know he enjoys. Or I heard him say, hey, I want to go to this store, or I've, I've been wanting to go to this restaurant. And I try to listen, sometimes write down if I can in a little book or something that I need to remember that, because then it shows that it's not only a bid for connection, it's I listen to you, and you're important to me, and I've remembered, and that adds an element to that. And it can be very simple. It can be Hey, let's have uh, tea or coffee in the morning outside in our backyard. And a child will feel important to you if you do that. And sometimes it may be just sitting at, uh, next to them in bed and talking to them about something, but asking them about something that's happening or going on in their life rather than just going in and starting to teach. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate what uh, you've said this a number of times before, side-by-side activities. Mm. And even just this morning, one of my daughters, uh, she's 24, needed a ride to work. And so I said, okay. And then she, as we were driving, she said, oh, I don't have to be there quite yet. Do we have time for coffee? It's like, bingo. Of course I have time for coffee. I had other plans, but yes, Mm. I will take advantage of the time because while she does live at home just temporarily, um, I, I value those times. You got to shepherd uh, those children as you can, because the day will come when she's not in my home, and I'm going to miss those times. Yes. So I appreciate that. Well, if you're in this stage of parenting a teenager in particular, there's an entire website uh, section devoted to your task, your role, your opportunity. Uh, Danny, I, I know your team has really slugged a lot of content in there. Uh, you've got some some terrific ideas for parents of teens. Let me encourage you as a listener to stop by for that. And then get a copy of Dr. Wilgus's book, Feeding the Mouth That Bites You. Uh, we'll send a copy of that as our way of saying thank you if you can make a donation of any amount to Focus on the Family today. We need your support. Now's a great time, and uh, we'll send that book off to you. Details are in the episode notes. Next time, we'll hear from Ginger Hubbard, who shares some really wonderful ways to teach your younger children about God. For now, on behalf of Danny Huerta and the team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. 